Good morning, Chevia Churches. Good morning to those joining us from elsewhere. Everyone is very welcome. This is Colin, and today I'm not taking the podcast service, but it will rather be Stuart, Stuart Kelly, who'll be taking the services this week, and he'll record the podcast. But just the intimations, first of all, and I'll be in Yetham Church on Wednesdays between 10 and 12. Also, in January, we're going to collect clothes and educational equipment for Edinburgh Direct Aid, and they'll send it to Lebanon to help refugees there. So if you have any old clothes in your, your wardrobe, please bring them along, pens, pencils, things like that. That would be great. And the week of prayer for Christian unity is coming up and council churches together. Because of the, the circumstances, we're only having one service this, this year and it will be on Thursday the 20th at Kelso Old Church. So more details about that next week. And, and finally, in our podcast, usually we have hymns, but my, I have a problem with my computer, so we're unable to have the hymns this, this time. So please forgive us for that. And now I'm going to hand over to Stuart for the call to worship. Our call to worship from Revelation. By the light of the Lamb shall the nations walk, and to it the kings of the earth will bring their splendour. And the collect, eternal God, by a star you led wise men to the worship of your Son. Guide by your light the nations of the earth, and the whole world may know your glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our prayers of adoration and confession. Our dearest Father, who is changeless but who makes us able to change, you who are the unmoved mover who inspires us to move, Lord who is our origin our destination and our route, we creep towards you in humble wonder. We would not know where to journey except you magnetised our hearts, our minds, our souls, that we, might, we, that we might seek you who knew the paths we have been set. We give thanks for the way along which we must pass, for the lengthening days at the darkest times, for the first signs of your return as the earth begins to awaken, for the constellations that seem to turn like clockwork until the meteors erupt unexpectedly. Holy Jesus, before your infant form, sages took the knee and acknowledged your lordship over all power and wisdom. Grant us also clear vision and courage that in the light of your light we may devote our power and potential to your service, even that requires us to go home by another way. Spirit, who is still ahead of us, still guiding us, still and forever beckoning us onwards, we thank you for not having left us alone, stranded in the maze of the world. 
be with us at all times and guide us always, whether that voyage is inwards or outwards, to understand that we are loved by you, the Son and the Father. We have often strayed and been misled along the road. We have allowed self-pride and self-satisfaction to make us loiter. We have ignored the needy by the wayside and have looked to pomp and earthly power rather than to the stony track ahead. We have been lazy, prideful and have kept our riches for ourselves rather than made them into gifts. We know that you see all our failings, but we know that you are merciful, gracious and forgiving. We pause, for the way is long, and think of what we might have done differently, and what we did foolishly, and what we did maliciously. With contrite hearts and clear eyes, we are meek to say the family prayer that you established, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever. Amen. Our first reading is from Isaiah, chapter 60 verses 1 to 6. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. And from the Gospel according to St Matthew, the second chapter, reading from verse 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly 
and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thanks be to God for this reading from his word. Our weekly prayer. Heavenly Father, you sent your Son to guide your people, just as you sent a star to guide the wise men to worship him. We pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to guide our church as we begin a new year, and may we rise and shine as we reflect your light in our community. Amen. I have a friend, Sarah, whom I mentored when she studied creative writing in Edinburgh. Although she was working there after, the government decided she wasn't earning enough to stay on on her student visa. And so she went back to America, to her home in North Carolina, then Texas, and she's now in Paris. She is one of the few I knew who was Christian, but she had a bit of an unusual background. She and her father were Episcopalians, and her mother and siblings were Orthodox. When I asked her about it, she said, it's brilliant. I get two Christmases, the 25th for us and January the 6th for them. We have a strange relationship with Epiphany. It seems to use an awful newly coined word, betwixt tide. Christmas is over and Epiphany is a vague nod. I do like that some denominations call it the Little Christmas. We are still adjusting to what just happened in Bethlehem and are beginning our journey to Lent. So what does Epiphany mean for us? I'm sure you've heard many standard sermons on the Magi or wise men or kings. There is the version where you point out that they came after the lowly shepherds, inverting the hierarchy. There is the version where you say, well, the Bible doesn't say three kings at all, and the Syriac church has 12. Their traditional names, Caspar, Melchior and Balthazar, originate from the 8th century, but they were venerated from the 4th. Everyone who has been carol singing knows the symbolism of the gifts. Gold for royalty, frankincense for priesthood, myrrh for death. There is the post-colonial version, as they supposedly represented Africa, India and Arabia. But what do the Magi mean? The first thing to say is that it is unusual that they are in Matthew's Gospel. Luke, who gives us the shepherds, was far more attuned to the mission to the Gentiles, whereas Matthew was more concerned with Jewish tradition. But it is Matthew 
who introduces the Gentile worshippers, and Luke, who commemorates the startled shepherds. Already things are being inverted and turned upside down by the nativity. The second is, and I say this as someone who is quite clever, clever people are stupid. Yes, the Magi might have been astronomers or scientists or sorcerers, seeing an unusual star and inferring a new king, and yet they went straight to Herod. That was, frankly, dumb. They didn't keep looking and studying, but scurried to power instead. It would have disastrous consequences. It also shows the virtue of knowing the scriptures. Herod's advisers give away where the Messiah is by quoting Micah 5, which presumably the scholars did not know. Nevertheless, it is interesting that God speaks to them in dreams to say it might be best to be circuitous and not to go back to Herod. He shall do the same to Joseph in the next chapter. What do we learn from Epiphany? The Greek word, Epiphania, does not occur in Matthew's account. It does appear in 2 Timothy and in Revelation always about the second and not the first coming. The Greek means an appearance or sudden realisation. It's a little like Archimedes having his eureka moment or Newton realising the apple which has just hit him on the head and the moon are governed by the same force in gravity. In literature, it was a trademark of modernist writers, the surprising moment. I won't discuss James Joyce or Virginia Woolf but Agatha Christie has one of the best examples in one of the Marple novels. How did you know, Jane? A character says. And she replies, well, they passed the salt and pepper too politely. It is about suddenness more than anything. And we must be prepared for God to be sudden. It is also about the extensiveness of God's love. For Israel, for the Gentiles, for you and for me. He will, in crisis, intervene unexpectedly. What I really take from it is the ending of the reading. They returned to their country by another route. If we meet the Christ, in whatsoever circumstance, there is no going back the same way, no way to retread. It will require us to be brave and require us to be daring but the encounter means that we are changed. That option is open, always, forever, to us. Our prayers of intercession. Father, we pray for the world, which you imagined, created, and sustained still, and into which you entered in a time of conflict, repression and bigotry. Millennia have not changed that. For every place marred and maimed by warfare, intolerance and catastrophe, we ask that you help us to know how to help. We ask that you focus our minds so that news about Kazakhstan does not allow us to forget Yemen 
or that news about Myanmar does not distract us from Haiti. Nor let us forget the injustices here which are suffered and in which we are complicit. You came into the world not for a tribe or sect or nation or empire, but for the whole world. And for the whole world, we pray. We pray for the church in all its forms. Keep uppermost in our minds that it does not matter which day we celebrate or commemorate, but that we do. Give us fortitude as we go into a new year, which will bring changes and challenges, instilling us the knowledge that your first church was nothing more than a stable, and yet it reached out to the ends of the earth. We pray for all those who hold power, that they use it wisely, are cautious always to consider their impact on the least and lowest in society, and that they behave with due dignity. Make each person who has impact be mindful of that impact, and whether it works towards fairness, equality and justice. We pray for all those who need not just our prayers, but for us to act, for those who are ill, lonely, lacking employment or security or purpose, those who are lost and those who have lost loved ones. We pray for those with not enough food or inadequate shelter, for those in hospital and those in prison, for those who lack what we often take for granted. We pray for anyone in any kind of need, material, physical or spiritual, that you comfort them as you enlighten us as how to bring help to the helpless and hope to those without hope. We give thanks for all those, particularly in this time of pandemic, who are caring for the unwell, who are using their intellects to find solutions, those who are picking up the pieces. Strengthen them and make us, in whatever manner is right in your sight, the means to improve the lives of others. Make us, Lord, the world, the church, those with power, those with none, each and every one of us here, fit for your purpose. Amen. Go out now and do not return the same. Go with confidence that the Father will be behind us, the Son behind us and the Spirit ahead of us. In the name of Father, Son and Spirit, bless us, protect us and encourage us. Amen. <laughs>